That's right. We're hanging out with Mr. Doug Mankiewicz today. Let's go. So buckle up, friends. We're going to talk about it. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again and welcome to Locked On Twins. My name is Brandon Warren and I'm your host. And you can find me on Twitter, though I probably wouldn't, at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. And of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And if it feels like I'm rushing through this, it's because I can. We have a very special guest today. But if you are watching live on YouTube, please feel free to leave comments in the comment section and we may address them if they are <laughs> valid. Otherwise, uh, we'll hang out in the comment section on YouTube the rest of the time um, after we record. If you've got questions and that sort of stuff, had some pretty good questions about uh, if Bally had paid their share to the Twins. So we'll, we'll maybe look at that here a little bit later. Uh, also, too, when we're not on the air, just shoot a message to at Locked on Twins or at Brandon underscore Warren on Twitter. And don't forget the breathless post-game minutes after most games. We'll talk about something real quick, and I'll give you a stat you did not see anywhere else. Today's show brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the app and create an account. Use code Locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And finally, Twins come back. On Friday, they'll be facing the A's at the Coliseum. Still don't know the pitching matchup, but it'll be fun to see Trevor May again, Brent Rooker again. Catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM and get Corey and Danny on the SXM app. Just search Twins. And again, we're diving right in. Mr. Minkavich, how are we doing today? Good. How are we doing? Real good. And I have to admit, growing up, I had your player t-shirt and I wore it all the time. And then uh, it was my gym shirt. I cut the sleeves off. So... Um, I know baseball players are supposed to have sleeves on at all times, and maybe that's a rule you strictly adhere to, but um, I broke that rule for my workout shirt. I apologize. That's all right. I, well, most of our undershirts don't have – they either have long sleeves or they have no sleeves, so you're fine with that. All right. Well, perfect. So uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, assuming I spelled that right on the screen, it's D-M-E-A-S, recruiting. What else are you up to? What is What does that mean, and then what else are you doing? Because you told me you were doing a, a show on Monday too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. EAS is a uh, a buddy of mine. Sean Giannis started. His daughter was a softball player uh, through the COVID kind of. She's I think she's a sophomore now. But I played little league with Sean, and uh, without getting long and involved, we basically he runs a recruiting service that helps baseball players and softball players get into school. And we teach them how to go through the whole you know process, and we we help them along the way, and we kind of match up what they want what what make contacts and we get them into school as best we can and so far i think we've sean and i've i've i kind of just started about maybe five six months ago but sean has got i think he's got 225 already and he's we have yet to place a kid so um you know it's just something that uh he has a passion for and i'm kind of the let's just say the liaison between the coaches and the metrics so does that mean you pay any added attention to like the draft at that time of year or anything or not quite yet? Yes. I mean, I, I did this year because I was at uh, the PDP with USA baseball, which is the 18 U national team. And last mm -hmm. year, the manager was Denny Hawking. Right. And this year's, this year's manager is Michael Godire. 
And oh, wow. I got to see a lot of former, a lot of former twins. Latroy was there. Uh, he's the pitching coach this year. Jason Maxwell is yep. on the coaching staff. Also, um, Greg Swindell was my pitching coach this year nice. uh, for the PDP. So there's there's quite a few uh, twins. I'm, I'm hoping I'm not leaving anybody out, but there's quite a few twins connections. Lunch McKenzie, who's a you know all time favorite around the around the Metrodome area back when I was yep. playing. And he's still with the Vikings for whatever 117 years. So it's nice to catch up with those guys and uh, and uh, you know help try to lead the next group of gold medal winners with the 18U team. But last year's team, I think we had basically PDP. They sent 100 kids of the top juniors to Cary, North Carolina, and I think we had 18 of the first 36 picks. I think this wow. year. So um, it uh, was pretty amazing. So did you have any Olympic or sorry, uh, Team USA connections prior to being a pro or did that just kind of come together? Yeah, uh, I played after? for them in 94. I was on the college team in 94. Okay. So I had some international experience. I played, I was, the, I went to Japan when I was 12 um, and I played on the college team. So I had some, I had some ties still, still left over, which helped. Yeah. I, uh, I got to cover the 2009 U18 team, if I'm not mistaken, they came to Minnesota for, I don't know if you'd call it a barnstorming tour, but they played like the best amateur team in town and beat them 8-0. Not super competitive just because it's a bunch of older guys like me that can still swing it a little bit. Uh, granted, I can't swing it, but just bear with me here. But that team had Francisco Lindor, and I remember seeing him as a 16-year-old and just being absolutely wowed at how good he was back then defensively. And again, I think that's <laughs> proven well by the fact that he signed a massive contract with the Mets. But I, I, I want to try to get into that more because it seems like the, the earlier you get into these kids and prospects kind of paying attention to them, the more fun it is to watch them develop. You know, if I knew more about um, Jenkins, the twins first round pick ahead of time, I would have been more invested in them picking him and what his development's going to look like. Well, he's got, I mean, he's basically, I, I say this, if, this year's draft is extremely deep. There's a, there's a lot of elite players and there's generational players in this draft. If this was a regular, normal, let's say run of the mill draft, I think Walker goes, he, I don't think anyone will argue if you took him one overall. So, yeah. um, you know, with, you know, with obviously schemes and, and, and the other guy from LSU, I'm drawing a blank Cruz. And then you have Langford, you know, Max Clark. There's a, there, like, there's a lot of guys. I know a couple guys that I was shocked that actually, Shock they went pick 39 because they're that good. And they're like some of the most polished high school hitters I've seen in a long time um, off this 18U team. Um, You know, Walker didn't even make the team. And, uh, you know, he was hurt. You could tell his handmate, he tried, bless his heart. Um, He won us all over. He won us us all over before. Uh, But I know at at the trials we have basically have exit meetings with everybody, whether they make it or not. So you, you allow the kids to come back in. And I don't think when, when Walker got finished speaking, there wasn't a dry eyed coach in the entire room. Um, you know, the best compliment you could probably give Denny said, if, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I would be okay if this guy, if one of my daughters married this guy and that, oh, and that, and that sums it up tremendously. And the fact that like, yes, the twins have always drafted, let's just say most for the most part, nice guys, classy people, which is a, which is not always the case. Yeah. He is, he's, he's an alpha male. Um, he, he, the, he's a lead by example. Guys gravitate towards him. Um, watching him try to perform and his body wouldn't let him uh, was a little bit hard, a little bit painful to watch because we know how talented he is. And I know how much the 18U team meant to him. And uh, he just 
handle it with class and dignity. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, like we're pulling for him. Like I was so happy for the twins that he picked this guy because he's going to be a, you know, a generational type player for the Minnesota twins. Sounded as though uh, he was a Mike Radcliffe guy too. Obviously we lost Mike Radcliffe not that long ago. And uh, one of the more well-known scouts, not only in the twins organization, but across the board. So to me, that seems like a pretty strong endorsement. Yeah, I mean, Mike, I, I bless you know, rest in peace, man. He was, he, he was. Uh, I always joke with him, working with him as a player and working with him as a coach. Uh, I know I, we did some draft stuff a couple of years ago when I was still working for him. Um, I joked, I always joke with Mike because he was like supposedly the only guy in the organization that really liked me. I go, <laughs> either you're really smart or really dumb, and I'm not sure which one it is yet. But uh, Mike was always, you know, professional and with a, with a little bit of dry humor in it, which was awesome. And, and Mike has an eye for what he's doing and. And uh, I read that on Twitter today that uh, he, he wrote something up on him. And that, that's just a, it's a, you know, I, he's smiling from up above. It's amazing. He was still like ingrained in work at that point too, or at least that focused on what was going on. Uh, one name I wanted to ask you about was McConaughey. One of those guys that you thought would have gone higher. McConaughey. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, he's a cross between uh, he's, he's a, he's a chase Utley type. He's got a, okay. he's got a snarl to him. He can flat out swing it. Lefties, righties, it doesn't matter. Um, he's going to push Max Clark in Detroit. I'm going to just I'm nice. gonna throw it out there now. He he doesn't like to be outshined, and he competes within himself, within his own teammates, and he just has a drive that's unmatched, and he has a um, he has the right demeanor to that you want in young kids that, that are just thirsting to get better. I know developmental types, uh, not necessarily only scouts or scout writers, don't like comps, but – does Jenkins remind you of anybody? Yeah, I, I'm, I agree with you on the, what you just said. Uh, it's hard to put names on these guys because I feel yeah. like it doesn't do him a service. Because if he doesn't live up to it, it's it doesn't mean he's not means he's not a failure. Um, right. But I, he reminds me of Larry Walker. Um, you know, he's just big. He's athletic. He can do some things that uh, you know. He's just a like I said. He's got a presence about him, and there's no there's not an arrogant bone in his body. But he has a ton of confidence, and it just oozes out of him. He has. Um, a quality that uh, in today's age, it's all, you know, today's age is all about me. Look at me. He mm -hmm. doesn't, he doesn't buy that. I really truly believe like if he had more of like, let's just say a, a social media hype train, he, he might've been the first pick because he's that good. But I, I just love the way he goes about his business. You know, he could blend in with the old school guys. He can blend in with the new school guys. He's there's a difference in today's game. There's guys that, sh that showcase, there's guys that rate well on on metrics, and then there's guys that can play. Well, he's the the unique combination of both. He can flat. He's a metrics freak, but he also shows up when the game starts. A lot of these kids, and some of them taken in the first round of this year's draft, are metrics, you know, gods. But yep. when the game starts, they disappear. And uh, you, know, you know, God bless the 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 minor league staff that the, the developers and some of these in some of these cases that these kids have got chosen by. Yeah, for sure. A uh, quick break here to talk about game time. If you've ever been stressed out about finding tickets, you can find them last minute, hunt for the best price, that sort of thing. Uh, shouldn't be stressful. You can go to gametime.co or download the game time app, browse events in your area. So Minnesota, Minneapolis for me, I believe Florida for you, right, Doug? Yep. Okay. So you can find wherever you're at, get a last minute ticket deal. Don't have to worry about planning four months in advance. Also, too, game time guarantee means you get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. 
Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country. For a reason, you can snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Just download the app, create an account, and use the code Locked On MLB. That's all caps, one word, for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, since you're into the development side of things, I, I wonder. Like, I assume you have pretty strong opinions on what amateur baseball and i mean amateur in the sense of kids before they turn professional what that's turned into in the last i mean i guess 10 years 15 20 years it's it's changed a lot over that time um you know you got kids not playing multiple sports necessarily although i did hear i think george lombard made his son mm-hmm. junior play multiple posi- uh, sports which is is obviously one considered to be good uh, how do you feel though about the way um children or or kid development has gone as far as players i just think it's burned out a lot of kids i mean uh, i you know i always tell parents if you look at a major league bio whether it's baseball basketball football whatever it doesn't say been playing football since he was five it says they ran track they played soccer they played basketball um i'm a firm believer in that i also like there comes a point in time where you have to like I always tell like I coach my son's high school team right now, and um, we have a couple kids that play football, basketball, and baseball. I'm like, well, when it, I have no problem with you, with you playing all three, but right. when your season's done, you better be up to speed with what we're doing. And so that's the that's the that's the trade-off. And that being said, uh, you know, I, I the the amateur game today is 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 really lacking severe in-game just knowledge um it's it's and i've done the pdp last two years and you're dealing with a hundred of the best high school players in the country and some of the stuff that they don't know is is almost it's almost criminal um and that's not a knock against them it's not a knock against coaches but it's just it's just it, it's the reality like simple in-game situations are foreign to them which mm-hmm. is absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, my son's a senior now, is turning, becoming a senior this year, and watching even his knowledge. And he's been around in you know minor league clubhouses and big league clubhouses his whole life, and it's still, it's not, it's it's better than most because it's forced on him kind of. But also, it's you know simple things like you know base running, taking a lead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like they don't watch games anymore. I, I said this years ago, even when I was a play, when I was playing, it was like. ESPN, you know, baseball tonight, all the highlights. It's like, be careful what you wish for because now yeah. you're only getting the clips and the, you're not having a chance to watch an entire couple innings if you want to see your favorite player, you know, having a bat or whatever. So there's definitely some drawbacks to that. Yeah, I feel like they're creating baseball playing robots who don't understand the finer points. And I've had, uh, you know, I used to host, I don't know if you remember Greg Olson. He pitched in the big leagues. His mm-hmm. career ended right around the time your season your started. Um, you know, we had a show called that nineties baseball pod. And we talked about with a lot of guys, how the finer points, you know, you create baseball playing robots and they can do all the basic things, hit the crap out of the ball and BP, but then they don't know what, why a secondary lead is important and why, um, you know, any number, not even necessarily finer points, but like secondary points, you know, you've got the basics, you've got the secondary, and then you've got like the inside baseball stuff that the, the guys that, 
really know know and kind of give them the advantage. But uh, a lot of those guys felt as though that's kind of what's happening with the game is you're creating baseball playing robots at a young age and they're not playing the game and learning their own way. Well, it's also, you know, it's not the player's fault because right. the industry is allowing them to get away with it. So like the industry, like the baseball players always said, no matter what, no matter when you played, the industry dictates what they want. And yep. when they don't care about base running, don't care about stolen bases, don't care about command, the players are going to give them what they want. Um, so it's a combination of the players and the people that are running the game aren't as knowledgeable because it's all on numbers and it's all on analytics and there's no heart, no feel to it where I've been fired from organizations because I was a quote unquote union guy. And I was just thinking that I was one of four that year that got let go that actually had major league service. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, you know, I understand that I, I don't need a piece of paper to show me that, you know, his launch angles down for the last two weeks, like he's hitting ground balls. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not curing cancer here. Like I understand that, but I, I've never seen a sheet of paper fix a kid. And you have to tie into these, you know, social media gurus who have absolutely, they've read it in a book and they, you know, they show pictures of certain players and they claim them. And it's like, that's not, that's not reality. Like, right. um, you know, and like, and also, you know, like I said, it's it, the whole travel industry has been, has changed some things. Um, coaches are afraid to coach because they're afraid the kid's going to leave. And they're going to go somewhere else. And, uh, you know, I just think like the whole team concept is, has, has kind of gotten swept under the rug. I mean, I, I remember working for the Twins. I actually got docked a bonus in the minor leagues because um, my, it was, quote, my winning ways is getting in the way of developing, development. And I thought, well, you guys look at it as I'm, you think I'm trying to win games. Yeah. I never talked about winning games. I'm talking about winning, you know, personal matchups, whether it's pitcher versus hitter or, if I'm in the cage trying to fix a, a, a flaw and we win and I, I, I get him to understand that and he has success, well, we win. That's not necessarily on paper, but I know if I correct enough flaws and these kids believe in themselves, good things are going to happen. And that's kind of the way, you know, that, that, that sometimes it gets misconstrued. Would, would it be fair to say, though, that you're OK with like baseball first, data second rather than the other way around? Well, I think there's a, obviously there's a common there, there's a definitely need for both of them. But yeah. my towards the last couple of years of, of me being a, a you know manager, it became where we had to listen to them and they wouldn't listen to us. And the 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 sprinkle of successful organizations all the way around have a a a legit understanding of commitment to both. Um, mm -hmm. it was like jammed down our throats and we're like, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I don't, but see, I don't need that to know that ball was hit hard. And yes, I want to educate them, but I'm also from a school that this doesn't work for everybody. You know, if I was a player and they gave me all this data, I would be like, I, I'd need a 20 second timeout to process this stuff. I don't, I, sometimes too much is, is way too much. And you gotta, sometimes you gotta, you know, keep it, you know, my dad always said, keep it simple, stupid. And there's something to that. Uh, some of the greatest hitters of all time, George Brett was mm -hmm. just, you know, simple. And I, I, you know, talked to him and that's the one thing that that's a little frightening is that a lot of the guys that played before that have experience, I always say this, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bad analogy in the sense of some people get offended by it. But if mm -hmm. your loved one needed surgery, would you take them to the doctor that's performed the surgery a hundred thousand times or the guy who read it and saw a video on YouTube? And that's the reality of it. 
And yep. like people think, well, that's well, baseball is not life or death. Well, to some of these players, it is. It's the only way they have of making a better life for their family. Right. Would you rather have someone teach you that's actually stood down the barrel? And here's the last thing I'll say about it. Yep. You know, the, the million dollar question in developing is, is he ready? You know, a triple A, is he ready for the big leagues? My answer every time was, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I know one thing. He's mastered the levels he's, he's at. So the only other level for him to try is the next one. I don't know how he's going to react with the third deck and 50,000 people and facing kids, facing players that he has posters on their wall. I can't predict the future. If I could, I wouldn't be working here. So that's kind of like the reality of it. And, you know, you, you believe and trust and you prepare them. And, but sometimes it takes two, three, four times to go up there and really understand before the game slows down for them. Uh, we got to talk quickly about BetterHelp, and then I want to ask you about managing because not it's not for everybody. But uh, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've ever needed to talk some talk to somebody, maybe um, you're going through something personal, you're going through something professional, some kind of struggle, this is the place to go. Um, Access Twins, though, again, is, uh, sorry, Locked On Twins. I got my thing screwed up. Sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, but again, if, you, if you're going through something and you want to talk to somebody, this is a good place to start. Uh, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. All you do, you fill out a questionnaire, you get matched with a therapist, and you can switch them anytime you want for no charge. Let therapy, be, therapy easy for me to say, be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB. You get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnMLB. Now, I w- I'm going to probably leave a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor because I always have a million questions in about five minutes to ask them. I think Greg can attest to that. Um, so maybe we can get you on another time if this goes well. But um, yeah. managing, when did you know or when did you have an inkling that you're like, hey, I'd kind of like to do that? Well, it started with Don Mattingly. Um, I got hurt in, I think, 09. Okay. And I blew my shoulder out and I was going to miss the year. Joe Torrey asked me to rehab with the team and stay with the team the entire year because of we had Andre Ethier, Matt Kemp, James Loney were young guys and the Manny fiasco just happened where he just got popped for, for oh, yeah. PEDs. And I thought, well, okay, sure. Well, that turned into Donnie, me and Donnie going over pitchers and, and going to the cage with him and working with some of the younger hitters and, and, you know, working under him to, to kind of point and find things that, you know, pick his brain. And I kind of, kind of got rid of the got rid of the uh stop playing and donnie kind of said he asked me basically three times he goes i'm not going to ask you again to come back to, to be a coach and so i got i went to be a hitting coach for damon Berryhill mm-hmm. in a uh, short season and then brad style called i i emailed terry ryan and just said you know what terry like i, I you know i don't know what your situation is but we're really you know how because i actually called terry and emailed him about what he thought the best route for me was. And it wasn't to try to get a job back with the twins. It was just kind of, you know, I wanted his advice because I respect that, you know, outside of my father, Terry's up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Terry kind of said, hang on a second. Let me give you, let me, let me run this by some people. And that long story short, I became a manager of the Fort of the, the miracle in Fort Myers. And I, I've used this line a million times. I was always, I was very lucky to play as long as I did. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I was born to do, I was born to manage. I was born to help. I was born to teach. I was born to, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I could tell other players that I couldn't tell myself to fix. And uh, I just really enjoy watching, um, you know, I, I 
you know, I have very fond memories of, of watching Polanco and Rosario and Kepler, Buxton, you know, Arias, incredible you know, Carver, you know, like the, the, the Barrios, like the list goes on and Zach Granite. I mean, like that's, you know, people will always think, well, you know, how many prospects did you get? Well, you know, there's, there's all, there's, there's, I think the better coaching jobs are the guys were that were drafted that you thought were just going to be filling guys and you get them a triple A and give them a career or mm. you get them to the big leagues and they get a chance to, to make it and they get a chance to taste it. So, I mean, I was lucky to be around a lot of really good players and a lot of really good people. Um, and uh, that's, that, that's the best part of, of doing our, to doing that job. The other stuff you can have like the, you know, behind the computer and writing down reports and, and all the knickknack stuff, which comes along with it, it definitely is. But uh, the daily grind of, of seeing kids develop and seeing kids get better, and you watch them you watch them grow into men. One of my favorite people, actually my, my exact favorite person that I've been around in baseball is Terry Ryan. And he still to this day sends me a birthday text every single year. So Me too. He's, uh, he's an incredible person. I got to ask you, though, you presided over the changeover from Terry – to Falvey and Levine, like you were in the organization when that happened. Mm -hmm. um, I know in a lot of organizations, they burn it down, start over. Now, in this case, they kept a few guys. Uh, I remember for sure Rob Antony hung around and you know, a few other pieces. What was that changeover like, though? I think the guys that were under Terry's regime knew what was coming. Okay. Um, we kind of knew. It's just the nature of the business. I mean, you, if you hire somebody, you want your own people around you. Um like, you know, they, they spit out all the right terms and words and verbiage, but deep down inside, you knew like, okay, you know, you're saying what you think I want to hear. And I would rather have you at least be honest and say, Hey, you know what, you got one more year and you know, we're going to yeah. probably move on to somewhere else. So, I mean, I get it. I understand the business side of it. It just, uh, for me, like, I, I just felt like it was a perfect storm for me. Um, I know that, you know, Gardy, Gardy was let go and, um, Terry's the GM. And I'm just thinking, I, I really like, like, I really had my heart and soul set on not only managing the big leagues, but managing that group. I felt like I spent so much time with them, um, that I knew what made each one tick. I knew how to get the best out of all of them. And I, was I, was I hard on them? Absolutely. But, but. I, to this day, I have kids that I had significant blowups with that still text me and ask me for job, you know, they, that were they I'm a person of reference, which, mm -hmm. which tells me that I was doing it right. And um, I just felt, I remember, I remember asking Terry Ryan <laughs> when I went to my interview, which was kind of weird in the sense that I've known Terry since I was 20 years old. Now I'm interviewing right. for the manager's job. And he's like, yeah. uh, you know, who's your staff? And I remember, I remember vividly saying, like, I don't, like, you know, AJ Pruszynski is my bench coach and Latroy Hawkins is my pitching coach. And he remember, he goes, why? I go, you know why, Terry? I go, because they would tell me no. They mm. would tell me, Doug, that's a really bad idea. And they would and they would explain why. And, um, you know, and then I kind of things kept going on. And, and, and I, I stopped the interview and I said, let me ask you a question. I said, what are you so fearful of? Like, what are you so – I was 43 at the time or whatever. Well, I was – you don't have enough experience. I go, well, Terry, the team you're giving me doesn't have any experience either. So my mistakes are going to be so overwhelmed by guys that aren't necessarily ready for the big leagues. And by the time they are, we have a perfect storm. And I think this worked once before with TK. Yeah. So this is exactly the exact format of what happened with Tom Kelly. 
And I yeah. said, it worked for them and it can work for us. And, uh, you know, obviously to go with Paul Molitor, how do you argue with a, you know, with a, with a baseball mind like that? But I just felt like for where the team that they were about to break, I had the responsibility of raising those kids the right way and understanding that there's a expectation level to bring respectable baseball back to one of the most underrated cities in America. Yeah. And, and they, they felt that and they felt what it meant to expect to win. And it's funny the year they all got there the first year I got lambasted for not doing the, you know, not raising, like not teaching them the fundamentals and, and mm-hmm. not developing them correct. And then funny how, when they were, you know, announced the starting lineup on the, the third baseline of Yankee stadium, no one contacted me. It's funny. The next year when the playoffs, no one said a word about how we did it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just and like you want to talk about a proud dad moment. Like I, I literally was like fighting back tears, like watching those kids go out there and mm-hmm. watch, just to be like, you know what, they've they've arrived. That's that's incredible. Do you think at a different time in the organization, it would have been a lot easier for Terry to hire you over Molly? I don't think so. I, I, I think it was the perfect. I think it was the perfect time. Um, I just and that's kind of how I felt I've, I've, you know, I've had a few minor conversations with the Marlins before they hired Mattingly. And -hmm. I knew they were going to hire Mattingly. I was just trying to get my foot in the door to be like, just to get my name involved in the mix. Um, But I just felt like, man, if if this doesn't work, then it's just, I, I, and I hate to sound like I never had a defeatist attitude about anything in my life, but I felt like if I can't get the manager's job, with that man at the helm on a team I played for on a team, I've had my fingerprints all over Mm -hmm. the chances of me getting a big league job are almost slim and none. And, uh, and it just was like a big, you know, just like I got punched in the gut. And like I said, who's to argue with Paul, but I just felt like Paul was more ready for a veteran laden team. And I remember Paul calling me sometimes asking questions about the players he had, like, how Mm -hmm. do I get this guy going? And yeah, I remember vaguely Max, it was Kepler and uh, they're Max still trying I, to figure that one out. And Max and I had, you know, we had a rough go to start with. I didn't think he was very good. And I thought he was a very, like just almost scared, tremendous talent, but it never came out. And to Chad Allen's credit, my hitting coach, he brought it out of him. And you know, Max's parents still call me to this day, but the story was like, Max was, if he made a mistake, he was used to me going up to him and not yelling at him, but just being like, okay, what'd you see? Like, mm-hmm. what'd you see? You tell me what you saw, just for an example, where, where they got in the big leagues and Molly is a, you know, a, a thinker. He's a, he's a, he's a veteran player's dream as a manager, right? He, he doesn't go and cause any commotion, but the, when the young kids would make a mistake and go down to the end of the bench, they're in their mind thinking that they're going to get sent down. I go, the old adage of wait till your father comes home. Like we all heard that as growing up. And like when dad finally came home, it wasn't that bad. So mm-hmm. like I go, Paul, they're, they're waiting for you to say something to them. And they're down there freaking out thinking that they're going to get cut. They're going to get released. They're going to get sent down. Oh my gosh. He doesn't like me. I go, yep. they're waiting for you to talk to them. And like, they're you, you're not even focused on that because you're on to something else because I know how you think you're yep. beyond, you're like the Yoda of baseball. You think 19 moves ahead of everybody else. I said, so they're down there freaking out and they're just scared to death. And mm-hmm. I would call the kid, I would call the players be like, look, he's not mad. Like he's not upset at you. Just go play, move on mm-hmm. from your mistakes and go. So it's been a, you know, it was, 
like I said, I, I always, even when I didn't work for the Twins anymore, I still, I still talk to Buxton. I still contact the, the guys that I had, and I still, I still feel like it's part of my job to continue to help them at any chance I can. So did you have Max in Chattanooga when he won the Southern League MVP? Yes. Over uh, Arcia, wasn't it? Yep. Okay. Um, that year in Fort Myers, I think he had like a one-something OPS against lefties. So that was an incredible part of growth. I was trying to remember, I think he had to be added to the 40 that year. So it was a lot of things that kind of culminated. But um, we, faced, we faced Tyler Glass now in the playoffs that year in Bradenton, Florida. And Max hit a ball that had to register 115, 120. It backspun, and he had a triple. And he came around third, and he slid, and he dropped a you-know-what, yeah, and, and like, like smacked my hand so hard. And I literally looked at him, and I said, welcome to manhood, Max. Like, yeah. like, it, was like it was like that, like when your you-know-what's dropped finally. Yep. And it was like – you have arrived and take that into the next year to Chattanooga. He carried us to a Southern league championship by, by almost by himself. So, um, you know, to go from where he was timid and didn't trust his ability to Chad Allen, you know, grinding with them on a daily basis to get him to believe. And all of a sudden he went from a guy that I was unsure about to a guy that I was like, his kids, his swing is as pretty as it gets. And he's going to produce. You just need to keep challenging him. What? Sort of related, sort of not. What did you think of Bradenton? Because that's one of the few places I've been in Florida. And honestly, it doesn't strike me as a big league facility. I'm not trying to denigrate the Pirates. It's just to me, it seemed like it was in a weird place. I played there. It's not. I, and like we had two different complexes. And I, think, I don't know if it's even, it's probably changed by now. But uh, no, you're right. It's, uh, you, you, you're, you know, it's just a little, it's a little, when you back that bus up, it better make it inside the gate because yeah. you know it, it could get a. It's a little. It's a little frightening back there. But if you go around to certain places of Bradenton, it's actually beautiful. If you just got to get to it, I played Love a spring it. training there, and it was a little, little frightening. Um, you got a couple more minutes. I got one more yeah, question. Of course, yeah. Defense was your thing. In fact, I I played first base coming up. I'm a left-handed thrower, so I was kind of shoehorned over there. Uh, obviously, a big guy too. Um, but I I tried to take a lot of pride in my defense. I tried to learn because I was one of those guys who would watch big league games and learn things. I, I was not athletic because I hurt myself as a kid. So I had to kind of learn intricacies, if that makes sense. So I, I studied how you played first base. And I, I'm curious, one, how defense became such a, a big thing for you. Uh-oh, we've lost Doug. Hopefully we can get him back. The joys of live podcasting, everyone. I ask him if he can stay and we lose him. There he is. He's That's back. Better. There you go. Sorry Joys about that. Joys of live pod. Uh, so I, I didn't get too far down the road before you left. Uh, basically, just defense. I watched you play. I was one of those guys who watched the big league games and tried to learn. Um, one, how did that become a thing for you uh, as far as, like, your big skill? And then, two, was there a big difference between grass and turf for you defensively? Well, defensively started – I hated first base. I used to catch. I couldn't stand first. <laughs> um, uh, I – I just felt like, okay, if this is going to be my position, I might as well try to be the best I could possibly be at it. Yep. And, uh, you know, I didn't I – mean, it's funny. People ask me what drills did I do or what – I didn't really do any. I mean, Al Newman would hit me fungos till I threw up, and, and like, he'd hit me pop-ups, and I just worked on it. And, um, you know, the turf back in the dome was a little bit tough because, you know, people always wondered why I played so far over. Well, it was because there was a seam where about – three or four inches of concrete that mm -hmm. I wanted that between my legs in case 
a ball was hit there, if it ticked to the left or ticked to the right. So okay. um, I actually, like, as much as I hated the turf playing defense on, it was a, it was a welcome thing when you got to the plate. Um, like, that old turf was, was very rewarding. But, uh, you know, grass to, to – you, know, you get – the difference between turf is you better have foot speed and you better mm-hmm. be alert. And if you're not a defender who's kind of out there at 80%, you're going to get exposed. And, uh, you know, between Tom Kelly and the turf, you were definitely on, you were definitely on edge when you, when you had a glove in your hand. Yeah. High alert. Who is the best defensive player you played with, with the twins infield wise? That's a tough one. Oh man. Is it Koski? I would have to say, I would have to say say Denny. I mean, Denny could do everything. Denny was a, Denny like was our best defender. Yep. No matter where you put him, until mm-hmm. Tory got established. Okay. Um. You know, he really was. Corey was, and the thing about the Corey too, like Koski was a great third baseman in the minor leagues too. But he got to the big leagues, and I think he was so worried about you know doing things right that he just didn't just naturally play. Right. And you know, Gardy took a ton of you know Gardy took a lot of heat for him, but he also got a lot of credit for him. But all Gardy did was get him to just. Just play the way you've always played. He, he did drills with them about making it a hockey goalie, making it natural. But mm-hmm. I watched – I played with Corey all the way up, and he could flat out play third with, you know, the best of them, gold glove or not. He could flat out I, – I would take I, – whoever the gold glove winner was at the time, I can't remember at third base. Beltry, but, I think. You know, I, I wouldn't – I wouldn't, you know, it, it's not that far off to take – Koski was – if Beltray was one, he's 1A. And he yep. just didn't get the he just didn't get the hype that the other guys got because he didn't make the you know very like crazy looking play that made it look tough because he was just such a you know he was a he had great reactions and he was a uh, he was a great third baseman in the minor leagues too. Well, hopefully we can have you on again. If people are watching on YouTube, here's my sheet of notes that I didn't necessarily <laughs> get to. So. If it's not too much of an imposition, hopefully we can have you on again some other time. But uh, thank you so much for your time. Again, follow Doug at DMEAS Recruiting. That's a wrap, though, for Locked On Twins. Thanks for hanging out with us. And don't forget to stop by. A little later, I'm going to do report cards for the first half. So we'll have a lot of fun with that. But otherwise, thanks for hanging.